0: Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to borrow one, just raise your hand, and uh, one of our ushers will bring one to you. Matthew, chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 18 to 20 in just a few seconds here. Matthew 4, verses... 18 to 20. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for every opportunity to open Your Word. We just look to You now and ask You, Father, will You bless us through Your Word. We pray, Father, that by Your Spirit, working through the Gospel in Your Word, that we would be changed. Father, we believe that's how it works. It's, it's amazing the way it works, but we believe, Father, your spirit working through the gospel and your word, we, we are changed. We're changed eternally. We just ask, Father, that you would do that for us here this morning. We just acknowledge again, Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. Uh, apart from you, Lord Jesus Christ, we will produce no spiritual fruit in our lives, Nothing. Uh, so, Lord, we look to you acknowledging our helplessness apart from you. But, Father, we do believe that with God all things are possible. And you working in us can, uh, can, can mold us and change us and do some amazing things in us. And we just thank you for that and ask that you would do it here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, as you can see through the windows... Uh, spring is in the air here in Minnesota, praise God for that. Last year, I think, uh, I think spring finally arrived sometime around mid-July, uh, so <laughs> a spring in April is, man, that's, that's a reason for some rejoicing. I've already pulled a couple weeds in my yard this year, and man, every time I pull a weed, I break out into praise. Thank God that a weed can actually grow in my yard in April, and it's our practice here at C- or see when spring does roll around every year it's our practice to take a sunday or two to talk about our local mission to the lost jesus commands us in the Bible to make disciples of all nations. He wants us to make disciples of unbelievers, both globally and here locally. And the warmer seasons here in Minnesota are really the optimal seasons for making some headway in our local mission to the lost. The the warmer seasons are really the, the easiest seasons to engage with unbelievers and build relationships with unbelievers and sow gospel seeds with unbelievers. So every spring we take a Sunday or two to talk about our local mission. I did it last Sunday and we'll finish up with that here this morning and then we'll get back in the book of Luke next week, which I've been preaching through. And all we're really looking at these couple of weeks here as we focus on our mission to the lost, all we're really looking at here are are three simple things that are critically important for our mission to the lost three essential Elements of effective mission to the lost. I gave you one of them last week. We talked about love. Uh, powerful, effective mission to the lost is built on love. Mission to the lost flows out of love. The, the Christians who are the most effective usually in, in, in making disciples of unbelievers are typically the Christians whose hearts are are, are burning with a deep love for Christ and also burning with a deep love for other people. Love is the fuel of mission. So we want to do all we can here at CRC to fan into flames our love for Christ and our love for other people so that our mission to the lost will be strong here at this church. So love is one essential element of effective mission to the lost. And here this morning, I want to think about two more uh, essential elements of effective mission. Two more things that are important for making disciples of unbelievers. And the first thing I want to think about with you here this morning is planning. Planning. Powerful, effective mission to the lost is built on love, and it almost always involves some type of planning. Making some prayerful, Intentional, Holy Spirit led, deliberate, strategic plans to bring unbelievers into the kingdom. Mission takes planning. And I think we can see that in lots of places in the Bible. I just want to show you a couple of them this morning. Jesus gives us two really good metaphors in the Bible for mission to the lost. He gives us two really good metaphors or illustrations in the Bible for making disciples of unbelievers. And I want to look at them with you here this morning. I want to think about them with you this morning. I think some of us have probably read over these metaphors so many times that we hardly even notice them anymore. And I want to slow down this morning and think about them with you today. One metaphor that Jesus gives us for mission to the lost is right here in Matthew 4.18. If you go ahead and look at it. Matthew says that while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers Simon who was called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men and immediately they left their nets and they followed him so so Jesus was calling two of his original disciples here, Peter and Andrew, and Jesus said that he would make them fishers of men. And he was clearly talking there about mission to the lost. Peter and Andrew, I want you to follow me as my disciples, and I will then use you to bring more people in as my disciples. Jesus is talking about mission to the lost there, and Jesus compares mission to the lost there to fishing. Making disciples of unbelievers is like fishing. And Jesus is not talking there about the type of fishing that you and I are familiar with. Uh, just uh, standing on the side of some lake somewhere or sitting in a comfortable boat somewhere, a a, a rod in one hand, a, a bologna sandwich in the other, and you're throwing a little hook in the water and pulling it back in. That's not what Jesus is talking about, about there. Back in his day, they fished with nets. They they, they would let down this big big heavy net into the water, kind of let it fan out in the water. They would wait, and then they would drag that net back to the boat, and they would lug it into the boat. Took several men to do it. Peter, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John are doing it right here in that passage. And according to Jesus, mission to the lost is like net fishing. You're trying to catch eternal souls and bring them into the kingdom of God. So that's one metaphor that Jesus gives us for mission. It's net fishing, and he gives us another metaphor in Luke chapter 10, if you go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 10, the first couple of verses there, we'll just look at verses one to three this morning. Luke chapter 10 Verses 1 to 3, Jesus is going to give us another metaphor here for mission to the lost. Luke says this in verse 1 of Luke chapter 10. He says, After this, the Lord, Jesus, appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest go your way behold I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves so once again Jesus is talking about mission there he's now sending 72 of his disciples out to bring new disciples into the kingdom. And Jesus compares mission to the lost right there to harvesting. Disciples, the harvest is is plentiful. The, The harvest is ripe for the picking. All of these eternal souls, all of these ripe unbelievers who are just waiting out there, to be brought into the kingdom of God. But the laborers are few. So, so disciples do two things, first pray. Pray earnestly, pray earnestly that God will send more laborers into his harvest and number two, you go. You go into the harvest, don't, don't just pray, but also go and labor in that harvest. So, so Jesus gives us two different metaphors there for mission to the lost. Making disciples of unbelievers is like net fishing, and it is also like harvesting a crop. Two very, very important metaphors. And listen, both of those things, net fishing and harvesting a crop, they both take some planning. Planning. They both take planning to accomplish. If you're going to go net fishing, you say something like, hey man, today we're rowing to the south side of this lake. Man, I know of a drop off there. I think we can find the mother load of walleye there. Okay, we're rowing, We're, we're, we're going over there. And when we get there, we're going to throw the net on the right side of the boat. And we'll wait, we're going to lug the sucker back in. And if we don't catch anything, we're going on the left side of the boat. And then we're going to do it over and over again there. And if we strike out there on the south side of the lake, well, I know a spot on the north side of the lake. We're going to row there and we're going to do the same thing with our nets there. You, 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 you make some plans. If you're going to fish with a net, you don't just, you don't just get in your boat, randomly drift, and hope that some fish are going to end up in your boat. You don't do that. No, you plan to catch fish. Where are the fish? And what is the best possible way to get those fish into the boat? You, you make plans. And you do the same type of thing when you're harvesting. If you're going to harvest you, you, you don 't just wake up one morning and, and walk out into some random field and just start casually trying to pick some things. pick a little here, pick a little there, harvest in a crop that 's not how you do it no you you, you you plan to harvest that crop. I worked a rice harvest in Texas one year. I will never do it again. (laughs) One of the hottest summers in my entire life. It was the biggest rice harvest in the state of Texas at the time. And Texas is big, man. This was a big, big rice harvest. And man, those people, they planned for weeks before we ever entered the fields. First, we're going to harvest this field. We'll start in this corner and strategically work our way across that field. And then we'll move to this field and do the same thing. Then we'll move to this field, do the same thing. Then we'll move to this field and do the same thing. We will have this many combines. We will have this many people working in the fields. We will have this many people driving trucks from the fields to the dryer to drop the rice off into the dryers. Some serious planning before we ever tried to harvest that crop, where is the rice and what is the best possible way to get that rice into the silos? You plan. And if you don't plan, if you think that you're going to catch fish with a net or you're going to harvest a crop with no planning at all, just kind of random and spontaneous, you will most likely accomplish very little. If anything at all. And that's the way it is with bringing unbelievers into the kingdom of God. If, if you think you're going to make disciples of unbelievers with, with no planning at all, it's kind of random, spontaneous, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in my life you will most likely accomplish very, very little. Net fishing, harvesting, making disciples of unbelievers, they all take planning. If if you want to bring the lost into the kingdom of God, you must plan for it to some degree. You must plan for it. Making some prayerful, intentional Holy Spirit-led, deliberate, strategic plans to catch fish and to harvest a crop. Where are they? And what is the best possible way to bring them into the kingdom of God? Mission takes planning. And listen, listen. Not just the leaders of a local church making plans for mission. But, but every single Christian in a local church making plans for mission. Where, where are the unbelievers right now in my sphere of influence? Where, where are the unbelievers right now in, in my city, in my community, in my place of employment? Where, where are they right now and what's the best possible way to get them into the kingdom of God? Every single Christian making plans to catch fish and harvest a crop. Mission takes some serious planning on all hands on deck. Everyone making mission plans. Every Christian doing the work of the ministry when it comes to mission to the lost. And, And the sad fact is that many Christians will never make any type of intentional plans at all to bring unbelievers into the kingdom. We plan for everything else. We, we, we really do. We, we plan for everything else. We, we make plans to, go to get a good education. I'll go to this college, and then I'm going to go to that grad school. I'll get this degree, and then I'll get that degree. We, we make plans... To give our kids a good education. Now, I'm going to send my kids over to this school. I think it would be great for them. Or, or I'll, I'll homeschool them, and, I, and I'll teach them this, I'll teach them that. I'll train them in this, I'll train them in that. We make plans to get a good job. I'll, I'll fix up my, my resume, my my, my CV. I'll make it look great. I'll, I'll get some good references. I'll buy a new suit for, for my interviews. We make plans for retirement. I'll, I'll work this many years, uh, save up this money, this much money each year, and, and, and I'll, I think I'll be set when I'm 65. We make plans to sell our homes. We make plans to remodel our homes. We make plans to sell our cars. We make plans to have a baby think I'll have a baby in 12 months, so here's what we need to do. We need to fix up the nursery. We need to get this done. We need to get the right clothes for our baby. We need to get some diapers ready for our baby. We make plans to have a baby. We make plans to meet with other believers. We make plans to study the Bible with other believers. We make plans for our weeks. We make plans for our days. We make plans for our meals. A meal plan. We plan hard in order to accomplish all kinds of things in this life. But many Christians will never make any type of prayerful, deliberate plans to bring eternal souls into the kingdom of God. Many Christians will make more plans this summer for their family vacation They'll plan more this summer for one vacation than they will plan their entire lives to bring unbelievers into the kingdom. And something is desperately wrong with that. I hope you can see that. Something's desperately, desperately wrong with that. I don't know why. I don't know why Christians don't make more plans to make disciples of unbelievers. Maybe we just don't think it's all that important to make disciples of unbelievers. It's important to meet with other believers. Important to study the Bible. It's, it's important to educate my kids. My, my house is important. My job's important. My vacation important. But mission to the lost just isn't that important. It's just not a priority. Man, that, that was me for years in my Christian life. I didn't make any intentional plans to see any unbelievers brought into the kingdom of God because mission to the lost simply wasn't a priority in my life. The lost were not a priority in my life. I might have said they were, they they weren't. They they just simply were not a priority. Proof is in the pudding. They weren't a priority in my life. Or or maybe we don't plan for mission in our lives Because we don't see the need to plan for mission. If God wants to bring someone into His kingdom, He'll just do it. It just happened automatically. You don't need to plan for it. Or or maybe we don't plan for mission in our lives because we think mission is someone else's responsibility. You know, fishing and harvesting, man, that, that, that that stuff is for those who have the gift of evangelism. I'm not gifted in that. I'm an introvert. Let the extroverts do it. God just wants the extroverts to make disciples. Or we we sit there and say, that's why we pay the pastors. That's what they're supposed to do. Mission is their job. Not mine. I'm just here to receive. Or, or, or maybe we don't plan for mission in our lives because we think God is somehow opposed to planning for mission in our lives. I do think some Christians just think it's contrary to the Holy Spirit or something like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Making plans to save the lost? That sounds a little gimmicky to me. Sounds a little bit like a work of the flesh to me. You just got to follow the Spirit, man. Spirit Spirit doesn't make plans. Spirit's like the wind. He he just goes. Just go with the Spirit, man, and you'll make disciples on believers. Probably all kinds of reasons why Christians don't plan for mission in their lives. You know what happens when Christians don't plan for mission? in their lives. You know what happens when Christians don't make intentional plans to try to catch fish and harvest a crop? Do you know how many unbelievers they typically bring into the kingdom of God? None. None. Not one, typically. Man, if, if, if you don't plan for it in your life, it won't happen most likely. If, if you aim at nothing, you will most likely hit nothing. Man, you, you don't catch fish or harvest a crop without some plans. Listen, God's not opposed to you making plans for mission. He's not opposed to that at all. God, God, God wants you to make plans to save the lost. Do you realize that do you realize that God himself? Do you realize that God himself made plans to save the lost? God made plans to save you, Christian. When, when you were lost, before the world was ever created, God came up with a plan to save lost people. A plan to save you. An eternal plan for of redemption. Very specific things He planned to do to save you. <laughs> the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all agreed on the plan, and here was the plan. The Father would send His Son into this world in which you now live. And the Son would die and rise again to pay for your sins. And the Father and the Son would then send the Holy Spirit to cause you to believe in the Son in order that you might be Saved. God made plans to save you. Specific things he planned to do to save the lost. An eternal plan of of redemption. And and, and God now works in his people. God now energizes and motivates his people to plan. He motivates and, and inspires his people to make plans to save other lost people. We'll build a church over there. We'll plant a church, a group of people. We'll plant a church over there. We'll send a missionary over there. We'll build relationships with these neighbors over here. We'll share the gospel with these co-workers over there. God is constantly, through the Spirit, inspiring His people, motivating His people to make plans to save more and more lost people. God is not opposed to you making plans for mission. God wants you to do it. And if you won't do it, you'll most likely see nothing in your lives. God motivates and inspires His people. To make plans, prayerful, intentional, Holy Spirit led, strategic, deliberate plans, specific things they will do to try to save the lost. And God uses those plans dramatically to advance His kingdom on this earth. And we have to be flexible with our plans. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to redirect you when you're moving with those plans. When the Apostle Paul went out on his missionary journeys in the book of Acts, Paul had specific plans in mind. Paul didn't just open the door one morning and say, I'll take any old road and end up wherever I end up, and whatever happens, happens. I hope fish come into the boat. No, that dude left with some specific plans in mind. I'm going to that town. I'm going to that town next. I'm going to that town next. And when I get to each town, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start preaching in the synagogue first, preaching Christ to the Jews there. And when they kick me out of the synagogue, then I'm going to preach to the Gentiles throughout the rest of the town. And when the Jews then come and try to stone me, I'm going to move on to that next town, and I'm going to come back to this town later. He had specific plans, deliberate plans, to catch fish and harvest a crop, but he allowed the Holy Spirit to redirect him along the way and open different doors for him. At one point in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas were attempting to go into a place called Bithynia. That was their plan. They were determined to go into Bithynia. But Acts 16.7 says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go into Bithynia. And Paul then had a vision. A man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. And they then knew that the Holy Spirit was redirecting them, opening a new and different door for them. So they went into Macedonia instead. Prayerful, deliberate, and yet flexible plans to save the lost. Mission takes planning. And and here at this church, we're we're not going to put all the burden of all the mission planning on the leaders of this church. Because we believe every Christian has been called to make disciples. Every Christian has been called to fish. Every Christian has been called to work, to harvest a crop. Every Christian gets to do the work of the ministry when it comes to mission. So mission takes planning, but it's not just going to be the leadership of the church. It's got to be all the Christians in the church looking out around their spheres of influence and beginning to make some plans. So as we head into spring here, this, this, man, optimal time of year for making some headway in in making disciples of unbelievers, As, as we head into the spring here, I'm going to ask all of us to make some Deliberate plans. And I'm really going to ask you to do this thing here. If you are a member of Christ Redeemer Church, or if you are a regular attender of Christ Redeemer Church as lead pastor of this church, and as a shepherd over your soul, I'm going to ask you to do something here. And here it is. Over the next week or two, like all of us, to pray and then write out on paper a personal mission plan for the spring, summer, or fall. Spring, summer, and fall. Or, if you don't just want to do a personal mission plan, a family mission plan, if you prefer to do it that way. And, and on that paper, I really want you to put it on paper, not just in your minds. There's something about putting something on paper makes it more official. really ask you to put this thing on paper. And on that piece of paper, I'd like you to write down some specific, concrete things that you or your family will aim to do in the coming months, To engage unbelievers. Build relationships with unbelievers. Maybe even sow gospel seeds with unbelievers. Now listen, on your list, when you you make out this, this personal or family mission list, the stuff on your list does not have to be stuff that you will just do by yourself or only do with your family. Yes, write some things on that paper that you will aim to do personally or, or just with your family. But listen, God did not design us to do mission all alone for the most part. He designed us to do mission in community or in fellowship with other believers. And I think you can see that clearly in the two metaphors that Jesus chose to use for mission to the lost you don't fish with a net all by yourself you cannot do it you don't harvest a crop all by yourself you cannot do it you do those things with others god designed us to make disciples of unbelievers primarily in community or in fellowship with other believers we do life together on a mission to win the lost some of that is going to be just you starting out doing some things you and your family with with other believers and maybe you can incorporate other doing things with unbelievers and then maybe incorporating some believers into that so some of the things you put on your list should be things you'll aim to do personally just with your family but other things should be things you'll aim to do with other believers here in your small group or life group or just a handful of you doing it together so I'd like you to make out a personal or family mission plan. Some specific things you'll aim to do in the coming months to engage and build relationships with and maybe even sow gospel seeds with unbelievers. Work with your family members on this thing. I encourage you to. Um, husbands, fathers, I'm going to put the onus on you. You are called by God to lead your families. You are called by God to lead your wives. So the onus is on you to do this. Okay? Now, wives, you can encourage your husbands here. Tuck up next to a man, and say, hey, hey can you lead me here and, and, and do that? I know God will help you to do that well, ladies, but, but husbands, it's ultimately going to come down to you, okay? Husbands and, and, and um, fathers. So brainstorm about it with your family. Write some things on paper. And, and listen, you're not allowed to just write pray on your paper. I will pray for the lost, man. I'm telling you, over the next few months, I'm gonna pray like nobody's business. All me, me alone in my closet. (laughs) Prayer's a given. That should top all of our lists. We should all be praying earnestly for the lost. Ask God to help you to pray earnestly for the lost. Put that at the top of your list, but don't stop there. Write down on your list some other concrete things you will aim to do. You could put all different kinds of things on your list. Oh my word, just brainstorm. Think about it here. Think about the people in your world. What could I do to just engage, to connect with, to love them? Uh, maybe, maybe so gospel season. Could be anything. It's going to be very different depending on who you are, your, your personality, your strengths, your weaknesses, your stage of life. going to be very, very different from one person to the next. But everybody can write some things down on those mission lists. And a lot of those, things can be really, really simple. Let me just give you a few examples of things you might write on your list. You could say things like this. I will meet all of my neighbors this summer. Now, I know some of you are moving into new neighborhoods. Man, put that on your list. They have a house there and just make, make, it, make it a decision. I'm going to meet my neighbors. Some of you have lived in your neighborhoods for 20 years. You don't know your neighbors, just fess up to that, go next door and say, "Will you please forgive me? <laughs> will you forgive me i 'm the guy who lives right next door i 've been here for twenty years hi i 'm Brett. Nice to meet you, me, you i 'll I'll meet all of my neighbors. I will get to know my coworkers i won 't just work beside them i 'm going to get to know them. God put them there for a reason. Get to know them i 'll bake cookies not me personally, you might write this. (laughs) I'll bake cookies, or I'll I'll, I'll make meals, some meals, and and I'll take them to some neighbors. I'm telling you what, my wife Molly does that all the time, and I, I can't even tell you the things I've seen God do in our own neighborhood through those simple things. She baked cookies this last week. Our kids actually took them over to uh, an older gentleman just moved into our neighborhood. She made a meal last night and took it over to uh, some of our other neighbors. Those little simple things open doors for amazing things. Uh, I'll I'll bake cookies. I'll make meals. Write it down. Or maybe you'll say, "I'll, I'll take walks in my neighborhood and I'll make an effort to talk to everyone I see. I won't just blaze past them. I'm going to talk to them. Lord, if you put them out there, hold my feet to the fire. If they're there, I'm going to talk to them. We try to do that. We like to take walks around our little pond uh, in our neighborhood, and we just try to stop and at least talk to the people we see there. Maybe you know of a way you could serve someone this summer. Put that on your list. Put it on your list. our, our, Our neighbor, One of our neighbors just had neck surgery. And he was just telling us, I can't vacuum, I can't mow the yard. Ding, 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 ding. So I mean, it seemed like the Lord saying, hey, you need to offer to mow the yard. It was kind of a no-brainer, so we did. And, and Lord willing, we'll have an opportunity to do that this summer. Put it on your list. Or barbecues. Man, I am convinced that simple meals are one of the easiest, one of the most powerful ways to make gospel headway with unbelievers. Write it down. Write it down. My, my, my family will have three barbecues this summer, one each month, and we will invite these neighbors. Call them out by name. Put them on your paper. If God has highlighted them in your mind, put them on your paper. Start praying for them and just say, I'm going to invite them to a barbecue. And, and maybe you'll invite some of your small group members to be with you for that barbecue. My life group is planning to have a barbecue at our house every Friday evening this spring, summer, and fall and invite our neighbors. I hope the Lord will do something with that. Or maybe you'll volunteer in the community somehow. You know, that would be a fantastic way to connect with unbelievers, those of you who feel you're not able to do that. Uh, some of you, maybe in, in my small group, you know, hey, some of, some of us from our small group, we're gonna volunteer in the city and we're just, you know, two hours a week and just begin to build relationships with those people there. Or we'll have a Bible study. We'll have a book study in someone's house, in, in our small group, but it's primarily going to be for unbelievers. Write that down. Or I'll make an effort to sit and eat with my unbelieving coworkers in the lunchroom. <laughs> I won't just run off to Subway, put my earplugs in every day. I'll make a concerted effort this summer, this fall, go to the lunchroom, sit and meet, eat with my coworkers. I'll give a particular friend a book to read. Seeing God do amazing things through my wife, just giving books. I'll write an email. Maybe, maybe you just say, oh, I'm gonna write an email or a letter to this particular friend share the gospel. Them. You, you, you're afraid to do it verbally? Writing's a good way to do it. Write an email or a letter. Or, or I'm going to share my testimony with a long-term friend. Friend you've had a long time. You're finally just going to share your testimony. That's one of the easiest and, and, and best ways to share the gospel. Share your story and how your life was changed by Jesus Christ and how you love him. Maybe you go to a local jail once a week. Man, there is a local jail in Woodbury. Drive past it all the time. That would be low-hanging fruit for three or four men or three or four women, whatever it is, to say once a week we are going there. You call the chaplain. You go. You do a 30-minute Bible study with unbelievers there. Would not be difficult to do. I know there's some ladies here in the, that are already connected with the jails and prisons. I don't know what it'll be for you. You know, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter, anything is great. It doesn't matter how big or small it might seem, just make some intentional plans, a personal or family mission plan. And in addition to that personal or family mission plan, I'm also going to ask all of our small groups and life groups to consider writing out a group plan. Okay, won't force you to do that in your groups. I think it would be good. Consider it specific things you'll aim to do as a group in the coming months. Doesn't matter what it is. Just pray about it together. Brainstorm. Put some things down on paper. Make some concrete plans in your group and as individuals or as families. Listen. If, if you don't make any intentional plans to try to catch, fish, or harvest a crop this year, you will most likely do very little. And before you know it, the warmer season is gone, and another year is gone, and another, and another, and another, and another. Man, we must learn to plan for mission. Let's do it now. We plan for vacation every year. Let's plan for mission this year and see what happens. I think we'll be shocked. I know many of you have already been shocked at what God has done through simple little things that he's helped you to do. Planning is another essential element of effective mission. We must love. We must plan. And one final element of effective mission We must labor. In order to bring unbelievers into the kingdom of God, we must work hard. We must work hard by the grace of God. You know, if you look at the two metaphors that Jesus has given us here in the Bible for mission to the loss of you, you look at those two metaphors, you, you know one thing you see very clearly there? Labor. Hard, nose to the ground, difficult, persevering, tenacious, unrelenting, blood, sweat, and tears, labor. Net fishing takes labor. You you, you don't just casually drift around and hope some fish decide to jump in your boat. They will not do it if you do that you you'll end up with nothing harvesting takes labor you don't just sit on the edge of the field and hope the rice jumps into the truck it won't if you do that you you will end up with nothing at some point you have to get up and work good old-fashioned roll up your sleeves work your tail to the bone labor You cannot just sit around and talk about fishing and harvesting. You you, you cannot just sit around and pray about fishing and harvesting. You cannot just sit around and moan over the fact that you have no fish and you have no crop in the silo. No, at some point, you just have to get up and go to work. You labor, you do something. And that's the way it is with bringing unbelievers into the kingdom of God. You cannot just sit around and hope it happens. We can't do that here at CRC. We can't just sit around and talk about it. And pray about it. If we do that, we'll end up with nothing. And at at, at some point, you, you have to get up and go to work. You have to do something. Good old-fashioned roll up your sleeves, work your tail to the bone, blood, sweat, and tears labor to bring unbelievers into the kingdom of God. And I believe that right there very simply is one of the primary reasons why Christians do not see more unbelievers coming into the kingdom of God. They will not work for it. They just flat out won't labor for it. Jesus says in Luke 10 that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The, the workers are few. The doers are few. There are lots of Christians who sit and talk about the harvest. Lots of Christians who sit, who sit and pray about the harvest. Lots of Christians who sit and moan about the fact that God's not bringing more unbelievers into the kingdom through them. But there just aren't that many Christians who will actually roll up their sleeves and sweat for it. And that's what it takes. It will take sweat, labor, striving, toiling, working, prioritizing, agonizing, fighting, falling down and getting up again. Blood, sweat, and tears, labor. Man, we labor at all kinds of things in our lives. We labor hard at our jobs. We labor hard in our homes. We labor in our yards. We labor hard for a retirement. Labor hard to educate our kids. Labor hard to plan our vacations. Many Christians simply do not labor at all to save the lost. I didn't for years in my Christian life. didn't for years. It takes labor to save the lost. Hard work. You have to fight to prioritize it. You will have a a million things coming at you 24-7 that will try to get your focus off of the lost. And 999,000 of those things are from Satan. Throw everything in the kitchen, sink at you. To keep you from actually prioritizing the lost, you have to budget money for it. You have to carve out time for it. You have to sacrifice for it. You have to sweat for it. It takes labor to save the lost. And man, why wouldn't it? I mean, so many other things in the Christian life take labor. We, 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 we are, we are constantly trying to create this Christianity that doesn't involve labor. Just to sit back and, 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 and be casual in Jesus type of Christianity. That's not a true Christianity. True Christianity takes labor. You labor at times to obey God's commands. You, you labor at times to put your flesh to death. You labor to read the Bible in the morning. You labor to pray. You labor to fellowship with other believers. You labor to serve. You labor to disciple your kids. You labor to love your spouse. And you also have to labor to win the lost. And if we won't do it, we won't see it. You know, Jesus could have chosen two metaphors for mission that didn't involve any labor at all. Mission is is, is like taking a nap. You just lay back and go to sleep and unbelievers will miraculously come into the kingdom. Or the mission is like digesting a meal. (laughs) You don't have to consciously do anything. Just sit there and unbelievers will miraculously be absorbed into the kingdom of God. But Jesus didn't give us metaphors like that. He told us that mission to the lost was like fishing with a net and harvesting a crop, both which take some serious effort to accomplish work to save the lost from hell. Now, man, it's a grace-motivated labor a grace-motivated labor, God's grace energizing you to work hard, but, but you still work hard. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. I worked harder than all the rest. Nevertheless, not I, but the grace of God in me. The grace of God in me, energizing me, motivating me, inspiring me to work hard. Labor and toil. God energizes the laborer to labor and God works through that labor to save the lost. And without labor, there's typically no saving of souls. You don't work for it, it won't happen. No fish, no crop. It takes labor. You realize, realize that God Himself labored for you, Christian? He labored to save you when you were lost. God the Father labored to send His Son to this earth. Amen. the Son labored in His life on this earth. No place to lay His head. No place to call home. Working constantly, serving constantly, laboring hard in His life. Laboring hard in His death. An authentic blood, sweat, and tears To save the lost. To to save you, Christian. And now God loves you dearly. And, And now God looks at you and he says, now go and do likewise. Go out, go out, go out, Christian. And labor. To see more lost brought in to the kingdom of God. So as we head into the spring and summer here, let me encourage all of us to work. Grace motivated, Holy Spirit empowered work. Joyful work. We're going to work at lots of things in the coming months. Let's work for eternal souls. Man, let's not just talk about it and pray about it. Let's get up and do something. Anything. Just do something. Just do something. I'm going to tell you what. That's my mission mantra at this point in my life. It is for myself, for my church. Just just do something. Just do something. Man, I, I can sit around and debate what I'll do for the rest of my life. I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. And I die. Talk is cheap. Talkers are many, laborers are few. Just, just do something. Make out a personal family or a family mission plan. Don't just talk about it. Do it. And then actually do the things on your list. And if all you do is write it out, <laughs> it's really just another form of talking with no doing. It's what it is. Do the stuff. Work hard to engage unbelievers. Build relationships. Sow gospel seeds with unbelievers. You get rejected, keep loving. If things get difficult, keep going. Make time for mid- mission, budget for mission, prioritize mission. Blood, sweat, and tears, labor for the lost. And man, maybe you don't want to do what I recommended today. <laughs> you, you think writing out a mission plan is silly, it's a, it's a, it's a gimmick, or something like that. Okay, don't do it. <laughs> but do something. But do something. Do something. Don't just sit back and say you don't want to do this and you don't want to do that. Do something. Do anything. And man, as you begin to move, as you begin to take little steps of faith in the area of mission, God will redirect you and open some amazing doors for you. But man, you got to be moving in order for God to redirect you. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can't steer a docked ship"? When a ship is docked, it's locked in harbor, man. You can't steer the ship anywhere. <laughs> and, and, and really, some of us still in the area of mission, we're just absolutely locked in harbor. I, I don't know what to do. do. Do I do this? Do I do this? Do do that? I, I, I don't know what to do. When we're sitting here waiting for God to direct or to steer us, you can't steer a docked ship. Just start doing things. Start doing anything. Start doing something. And just trust that God will begin to redirect you. And he will. Man, three essential elements. Love, plan, labor. Really simple things. If if we can do those things by the grace of God, man, I know the Lord's going to do some amazing things here through this church. May God help us. Love, plan, and labor. One of the things we've started doing here at CRC is giving people the opportunity to give testimonies. Just share uh, some of the ways that God is helping them begin to do life together on mission more. We believe that's what a local church is. It's believers doing life together on a mission to win the lost. We we know God is doing lots of things through people. We want to give people opportunities to share what God is doing in their lives. Give them an opportunity to boast in God. So I'm going to call my beautiful wife, Molly, up front here this morning. And as she's coming up, let me just say, man, I love this woman. I am so grateful. You talk about a helpmate and a, a person God has ministered to me through her. I love her so much. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't do this with everybody who gives a testimony here. Okay. <laughs> I will do it with some of you. But, uh, but, listen, I'm so thankful, really, for this woman. And we wanted her to share this morning. Uh, because, uh, man, I, I personally, I have seen God change her in radical ways when it comes to mission to the lost. I've just seen God change her and, and just use her in simple ways that turn into really big things somehow over time. So just want to give her a minute to share this morning. Thank you.
1: Really... Um- He thoroughly embarrassed me. Um, But I'm excited to share about um, some things the Lord's been doing in my heart and in our neighborhood. Um, Brett wanted me to share just some things that have changed in my heart uh, in regard to mission, and then just some things the Lord's been doing in our neighborhood that's just really exciting. Um, So as far as mission to the lost, I have been changing over the past few years, but um, I just haven't had a strong love for the lost like I should, and I knew it was a heart problem that I have had, but I didn't know what it was, what was wrong, what was my hang-up, but um, I feel like there's some things the Lord has been putting his finger on in my heart, and one of them is um, he's just been showing me my self-righteousness for, for me. I finally realized that the only thing that is different between me and an unbeliever is faith in Christ. And that faith is a gift from God, and he gave it to me. And my favorite scripture is 1 Corinthians 4-7, that Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And I just feel like that's been dawning on me that I have no reason to boast over anybody else. But just him putting his finger on a lot of self-righteousness has been one of the things. Um, the Another thing is, Brett talked about this just now, but I began to realize that Jesus had prioritized and pursued me when I was lost. He's done it for me. To think of the way that God planned and labored for me to be saved is pretty incredible. The cross and what he did, but the specific plan of how he saved me when I was 22 is pretty incredible. Um, Moving from Colorado to Texas, I hated Texas at first. I love it now, but... Three years after I was in Texas is when I became a Christian. And I just think of the specific plan that he had with people that he placed around me, um, my horrible situation I was in, and he showed mercy to me. And he did it for me. And what's been ringing in my ear is how can I not go and do likewise? I've been shown mercy and forgiveness when I was lost. And it is so sad to me that I've looked down my nose at the lost. Um, Did I say that right? I usually say it wrong. I look my nose down (laughs) at the lost. Um, So that's been softening my heart, I think, is realizing it's been done to me and wanting to do it for, for others. So anyway, I'm... I'm not as nearly as quick to judge and separate from the lost. I'm much more prone to notice them, and I want to prioritize them. I want to be around them now. I want to do for them what Jesus has done for me. And so that's my, my heart stuff. Now our neighborhood. So our neighborhood has been really my mission field, kind of, um, basically because I'm a stay home mom and have five kids and homeschool. um, The Lord has just really started us out by just baking cookies and cupcakes and bringing it to our neighbors at um, holidays. Then it turned into not on holidays. We would do it just to surprise our neighbors and just to say that we're thinking about you and just wanted to give you some big cupcakes. Um, Then it turned into um, these barbecues that we had at our house. We would get to know these neighbors. We'd learn when their anniversary was or their birthday, and we'd make mental note when their anniversary came and birthday. We'd give them cards. I think they were just kind of surprised that we would remember things they said. Um, that was just God's grace. It's all God's grace. Um, One lady loves Diet Coke, loves Diet Coke, and um, we'd put some Diet Coke in a gift bag and bring it to her house. Um, We exchanged phone numbers at some point, and then I started to text because I'm home all day with my kiddos. The Lord would put them on my heart just to say, I'm thinking of you today. Thank you that you're my neighbor. I just want to say hi. Um, Hope you're doing well. These are just some examples. Um, Brett encouraged me to borrow from our neighbors eggs and milk and things instead of just going to the store, and I've really been trying to do that. That's been good. Um, so all this to say, God has used these little things that I could do with my kids, my family, to open up some really cool doors for the gospel. And this is what I'm so excited about. Is So I haven't been... Verbally sharing the gospel, just giving little gifts. But um, the Lord's opened up cool doors to give books, Jesus storybook Bibles, to about five of our five families. Um, Because we have lots of kiddos in our neighborhood, and so we gave, um, in about five homes, these Jesus storybook Bibles. And one of the daddies is reading to his son that we know of. And another little girl, her mommy said she's reading it all the time. Um, then this one lady opened up about her marriage, just some problems with her marriage, and, um, Brett gave me some ideas for some gospel-centered marriage books. So, for me, it's been books and stuff like that. And then, God has opened the door for them to hear the gospel verbally which is so exciting because I just can't believe how—this is really shocking. It just is shocking, just the the simple things that we were kind of doing with cupcakes and cookies. Now three of our neighbors have come to church and visited and have heard the gospel preached. One family, we gave some sermon CDs to her, and she listened, and she heard the gospel and then one uh, couple came in our home, and Brett did a study of Mark with them, and they heard the gospel then. And so we're just so excited that they're here, they're hearing it. But I didn't know it would like start from you know just these little little things. Little things turned into really cool um, open doors. So I guess I'm just super encouraged. I'm really encouraged that that for me and where I am and my kids. Um, <laughs> that the Lord just really helped me with some ideas. And um, it's all God's grace. I really thank him for his grace. I give him all the glory and praise. And so I wanted to just tell you, I think, where you are, and the Lord knows your life and stage, and if you're nursing or babies or no babies or single, and uh, that the Lord really can give you ideas. But these ideas, if they're so little or small, they really, really... could be open doors that are just shocking. So I just feel shocked, I guess, and very encouraged. Um, So thank you for listening to me, and um, the Lord bless you guys.
0: That's the cutest testimony we'll have right there. I'm not biased, just the way it is. Man, praise God. Just little things, the Lord just drops in. And I'm going to tell you what, my wife, I've said this a lots of times, she's really kind of the missional front person in our, in our family. I mean, she really, God uses her kind of it, just under the radar that people love to talk to Molly and be around Molly, and God has just used that. Every family is going to be different. Every person is different. Just pray. What What is that? How does that work for you? And, and the Lord will give you little ideas and, and go from there and see where it takes you. It's, it really, trust the Lord will do good things in you and in your family. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for uh, just your word. We thank you Lord Jesus, for giving us those two great metaphors uh, for uh, bringing the lost into the kingdom. And I pray, Father, we could really receive those and, and take them down deep inside of us and recognize kind of this task that is set before us. Uh, this task that takes planning, this task that takes labor, actually doing some things. And so, Lord, I pray you'd sink this into our hearts And Father, just a a grace-motivated action and labor would come out of us. And and Lord, you would um, just be pleased to uh, show yourself to be the great God you are through us as we step out in faith in these little ways. Lord, give us ideas. Pray for this church body. Will you just stir up ideas in people's hearts and minds. Lord, will you help people in their conversations with one another? Just a prayerful brainstorming to just land on simple ideas and and have the energy to, to actually do them. Lord, we just pray for lots of little things here. And we, we trust, Lord, you can use our feeble little efforts to, to do amazing things. Lord, Lord God, you are a God who works through weakness and works through brokenness to do amazing things, to show how great you are. So work through us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.